0: hi welcome to season two episode one of the woke ish podcast this is ebony
1: and this is elma
0: and Happy New Year. Yes. Welcome to our new season. Yes, Woo! season
1: two. Woo! Yes.
0: Yeah, we um had a break. Yes. And, well, we had a break from the podcast, but not from life. Yeah. Um, yeah, we both have big yeah. news. We both, yeah. we both have big
1: things happening. Yeah, so... What happened with you, Zoma? So I, as you guys have heard, if you guys have been listening weekly, um, I've been pregnant for the past nine months. For, <laughs> for most year. of the year? I know, right? For, the <laughs> year, for most of the podcast. Um, and so I had the baby December 16th, and I took uh, about the month off. I actually, the last episode, that a couple days later, I had the baby. So, good timing. Yeah, Um, yeah, so I have a baby. It was was healthy. I'm actually going to talk about my experience and what's being slept on um, because I learned a lot. Um, But, yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Baby's doing well. Definitely, you know, it was a much-needed month-long break. But I'm um, happy to be back and happy to see that some of you guys went back to listen to our old episodes and yeah yeah. Um, But we're back and so um, you know with this new season, hopefully we'll be able to um, just continue um, having these conversations with you guys.
0: Yeah, good vibes only. Yeah,
1: and what happened with you, Ebony?
0: I got engaged. Woo! Yeah, woo! So, yeah, lots of um, things cooking over yeah, yeah. the break. At the end of 2018, we exited 2018 with a bang. Yes. Um, if y'all have some interesting things or some, you know, things that you want to shout out yeah. um, as we enter into this new year, you know, like we always said last year, <laughs> you know, send your shout outs our way. Yeah. Email them. DM them. um. Yeah, all those things. Um, We did have a lot of activity over the break. We had some emails, most of them weird. Yeah, Um, Yeah. we got a couple weird ones. Yeah, so if y'all just want to send us something not weird, or even if you want to send us something weird, you can. Yeah. um, We are here to read.
1: Yeah, we read them, so yes. Yes,
0: read them. We may not reply because they're weird, but...
1: (laughs) We will read read them.
0: them. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... We are gonna go ahead and dive into our shout-out segment. Um, and yeah.
1: Yeah, so our first shout-out goes to Regina King um, for winning the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress for If Buell Street Could Talk. Um, I actually watched the Golden Globes this year um, because I'm at home a lot now with, you know, having a baby, you don't really, you can't really leave the house in the beginning. So um, I watched the Golden Globes. She brought her son with her to the awards, and she gave him a shout-out. And it was really great. Um, And it was just it's just really great to see Regina King recognized because I follow her and she does. So if you just go Google her and see in how much shit she's been in, she's been in a lot of shit for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so it was really yeah. nice for her to be recognized for best yes. supporting actress. So shout out to Regina King. Definitely. I can't wait to watch the movie. Um, but, um, just from her past work, um, that I've seen and all the other stuff that she's been in, she's, she's phenomenal and, um, shout out to her. And, um, finally, the last thing that she did that I thought was great is she made a promise to hire more women in in the projects that she does. So, um, you know, really proud of her.
0: Yeah. She's an amazing actress. Like she's been in some like that whole, did you watch American Crime? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mercedes. the one. that, Yeah, yeah. yeah that she's crazy. really good. Yeah.
1: Um so our next shout out goes to Mars Marseille. Is that how you say it? I
0: think so. Yeah. Marseille,
1: so. Marseille Martin. And if you don't know her, um she's uh she plays one of the twins from Blackish. Um and so she Amazing. is going to be, yeah, she plays Diane. She's going to be in a movie called Little um and she also um so aside from that aside that she's you know moving from tv to movies she has become the youngest executive producer at 14 years old apparently she loved the movie that the movie big which is what this movie is based off of where it's like the reverse it's a little kid becomes an adult and so in this movie, an adult becomes a little kid. Yeah. Um, and so she said that it, she loved that movie, and so she thought it would be a, a really great idea. And so she becomes, um, she's the executive producer on this film, and she's only 14. Yeah. So shout-out to her, because when I was 14, I wasn't doing any shit. Oh, yes, <laughs> impressive. Yeah. That's impressive.
0: Um, okay, and our last shout-out goes to director Peter Ramsey, who just won a Golden Globe for the film Spider-Verse and who could become the first Black director nominated for a feature animation Oscar. So shout out to Peter Ramsey. I still haven't seen Spider Verse. Me much. neither. Yeah, as I, much I, as you know I want, what? I don't know, too, know I just, if I'm going to see it. I keep missing opportunities to see it, and then, and then when I do have the opportunity to go to movies, I see something else. Yeah, but I am really. I heard it. I have heard that it was really good.
1: I heard it was so, good too. Yeah. We probably heard it from the same person. Yeah, I <laughs> even
0: heard it from people that aren't into like okay, you know, I'm not movies or anything about superheroes or Marvel or
1: yeah, nothing. Yeah, so
0: yeah, yeah um okay so now we're gonna jump into our in the no segment okay so now for our in the no segment um so first we wanted to just mention that we are on mommy duty and so the baby is sitting here and he might make a little noise but that's all good, we're gonna keep it rolling.
1: Yeah, and we could have edited it out, but Ebony and I just kind of briefly talked, and um, I just think it's important to um, just kind of highlight that a lot of moms, well, what I'm learning is a lot of moms have to multitask. Yes. And so, you know, for especially the beginning, there's gonna be a lot of these episodes where Baby will be here with us. Yes. Um, it's just you know I'm continuing to do the stuff I did before but now I'm also caring for the baby and so you know if you hear him stirring or moving um, that's baby and um, we just wanted to just kind of explain that and give some background as to why we're not choosing to edit out those sounds
0: yes okay so to start out we're gonna give some updates on the wall. I know. Dun, dun, dun. So, it hasn't changed since we took no, our break. <laughs> no, it's like, this. it's still madness and it's gotten even crazier, it seems like. So, where are we now with the physical barrier between the US and Mexico project? So, Brian Colfage, Colfage, I don't know, started a GoFundMe campaign to fund the wall eight days before Christmas. The goal was $1 billion, or is $1 billion. So he stated, Eight days before Christmas, I started this GoFundMe campaign because I was tired of watching the U.S. government's inability to secure our southern border. Like most Americans, most. I know. Right? It's like so pompous. I see the poorest southern border as a national security threat, and I refuse to allow our broken political system to leave my family. In my country, vulnerable to attack. There's that fear mongering. Mm -hmm. So now, after being active for one month, this campaign has raised $20,654,565. That's crazy. That is crazy. From the donations of 346,726 people. So it's, I mean, it's crazy how many issues we have in this country because of how conservative yeah. people are. with Fiscally. Money. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, no, don't raise taxes for this or that. You know, don't raise taxes for education, which we're gonna get to in a second. Yeah. Don't raise taxes for health care. Or Flint still doesn't have don't, clean water. Right? And you don't wanna you don't wanna contribute to it. You don't wanna help people to survive. Mm-hmm. But you can help to raise twenty million dollars to put a giant fence, yeah okay. between two countries where the boundaries that exist between us are like socially constructed in the first place yeah. so a bunch of a bunch of white men decided you know some i don't know hundred i don't know how long ago a hun- hundreds of years ago hundred, 150 years ago or so that the United States and... No, more than 150 years ago. Like, two, three hundred years ago that the United States and Mexico were going to be two separate countries. Mm. And, like, they invented that. Yeah. And now, we are raising... Somebody has raised $20 million to solidify and put a physical barrier between us. Yeah. (sighs) So, last week, there was an announcement that the funders... So the people that contributed to this GoFundMe would be refunded. But apparently, the thing is that if you donated before January 11th, you have to opt in by reading a message and giving your email address as confirmation. So kind of like it's like a way of signing a contract to absolve GoFundMe of any consequences if the wall doesn't actually get built. So if you donated $200 or whatever to this fund before January 11th, and you want to confirm with gofundme that you acknowledge that you're giving this money to this I think he made it a a nonprofit or something like that a 501c I think is a nonprofit right yeah. so he made it a nonprofit and you by signing this contract are acknowledging that you are giving your money to this nonprofit and that gofundme has no kind of like you know they won't be held responsible if he doesn't actually get this wall built Um, And so if you don't opt in, your contribution will automatically get refunded after three months. So that's one thing. And then last week, Trump made an announcement stating that he never said or meant that Mexico would pay for the wall directly. He meant that they'd pay for it in a a symbolic kind of way, indirectly. He says that um, that the wall will pay for itself every three months, directly contradicting everything he said during his campaign in the early days of his presidency. So, so many hypocritical conservatives have gotten behind him in this message, even though they preach fiscal conservatism. Yes. So it's like how, you know, now it's like we went from, oh, we're going to put a wall up, you know, make, to make America great again. And Mexico is going to pay for this yes. wall to now, oh, you know, there's, there's a GoFundMe going up so that y'all will pay for it. And then we're also going to make the taxpayers yeah. pay for it so it's like whether you whether you give to this gofundme or not you're gonna you're support gonna for it yeah, yeah the, if you pay taxes um because he claims that he never meant that they were actually going to pay for it so trump's obsession with this wall has led him to shut down the government mm-hmm. he's basically throwing a tantrum to try to bully congress into giving him what he wants
1: yeah and so that runs into our next kind of um connecting um current event topic, which is the government shutdown. Um, And so, uh, once again, the government has been shut down. Um, and so Trump has as everybody was saying and this is all because of the wall mm-hmm. so Trump has demanded that Congress provides 5.7 billion dollars mm-hmm. to build more than 200 miles of new and replacement barriers along the border keep in mind there has been a steady decrease of illegal immigration and that a lot of there's evidence that shows that you know crossing the wall isn't the only way that the legal immigration happens mm-hmm. and so um, uh, the impasse over Trump's demand for $5.7 billion for a wall at the border and the Democrats' refusal to fund it showed no sign of resolution in what is now considered the longest shutdown. And how this is affecting people, other than just be- it being fucking crazy that our government is, like, closed, mm-hmm. is that about 800,000 federal employees from nine federal agencies Um, Many of them charged with border and national security, have been furloughed, or are working without pay. Um, President Donald Trump signed a bill providing back pay to federal employees affected by the ongoing partial government shutdown, the White House announced Friday. Um, so this is kind of their way of being like, no, like, we're going to take care of these people. So he signed the Government Employee Fair Treatment Act. Doesn't He always finds a way to make them sound really yeah, good. Right. Of 2019, which the White House said requires the compensation of government employees for wages lost, work performed, or leave used during a lapse in appropriations that begin on or after December 22nd, which is when the shutdown started, and entitles accepted employees to use leave during a lapse in appropriations. However, the workers will not be paid until after the shutdown is mm. over. So that still doesn't solve the main problem that a lot of federal employees are having, which is I don't have any income coming in yep. at this moment. And it, I think the um, shutdown has been, it's past 20 days now. And so, I mean, I can't even, I barely get, you know, me by myself without my partner. I barely get by on, I would barely get by on my paycheck. Like, every 15 days. Mm -hmm. And so, going 20-plus days without Mm -hmm. income. Especially, like, right after Christmas? Yeah, and with, like, families and, like, mortgages. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, if you've, you know, been on Instagram, I've been following a lot of uh, Congress people, um, like Senator Harris, who kind of... um, retweet or show um real people voicing how the government shutdown has affected them and there are people who've had to borrow money from relatives Mm -hmm. there are people who've had to dig into their savings there are people who've had to go to food pantries there are people who've had to start ubering Mm -hmm. and it's all because the president of the united states is doesn't doesn't care about them yeah because even the democrat and so a lot of people like, are saying well the democrats should cave in and then that will fix it too well what the democrats are saying is hey let's let's continue this talk about the wall but let's yeah. not shut the government right. down and trump is saying no we, yeah. we either have the wall or nothing what's
0: the point of congress if you can just do this yeah like if the president can just do this and throw yeah. a tantrum why is congress even there yeah why do we I mean, we may as what, what do we need checks and balances for? Yeah, I mean that's like we awful. may as well just let him. We may just turn. over We may as well just turn into like an authoritarian kind yeah. of government and let yeah. him. It's crazy that one man who
1: I'm a hundred percent sure hasn't paid taxes for the last twenty oh my years gosh. has the capacity to be able to affect. Uh, Almost a million people. Mm Eight
0: hundred thousand people is a lot, and that's just federal employees. And then if you branch out and you think about their families, yeah, that's more far beyond. Yeah, and people that are probably taking care of their parents or and they're they're
1: saying and these have are going to have long term implications. So if you don't pay your mortgage for two months, what happens? You get behind, and the government. I mean, the bank can come in and start for closing or if you don't pay back loans or if you don't pay, a lot of people are
0: having to take the children out of daycare. And talk about if you don't pay daycare, you lose your spot. And then, I mean, think about the daycare. So it's like it affects the businesses too because then people are not able to spend money with you you know, so it, I mean, the effects of this are so much greater than the people that it directly impacts. Like yeah. then it, it goes far beyond like just the people that are working for the government. It's like who they spend money on every month. So if you're not able to spend, if you're not able to spend money, Um, The way that you did the previous month for a 30-day period, you know, think about all the things that you would have spent money on in that 30 days. All of those people who you would have given money to in like a bartering kind of thing are impacted.
1: Yeah, and our economy itself is being impacted. Yeah, and he doesn't care. Isn't that his whole platform? Yeah, that's what they're saying. So, I mean, I was reading some articles... You just never know. What's sad now is like you never know what's true. So some yeah. people close to him apparently mm. are saying he's nervous because mm. the economy is the one thing that he always <gasps> prides himself yeah. in saying that he's making better, mm-hmm. um, because you know it, it not only is domestically it being impacted but like internationally people who invest in things in the united states what they see is an unstable government and mm-hmm. so they, they pull mm-hmm. their money out of stocks they mm-hmm. pull their money out of investments and mm-hmm. that also causes um the economy to be shaken even further yep. um and the other people are saying that no that he's willing to just ride this out as long as he can and i was reading how long I know. I was reading, and they say if this goes back past March, which is insane to think that this that there could be a government shutdown for three months.
0: Like, what are people going to do? Yeah, they're
1: saying that our our
0: economy may not be able to recover. Yeah, and like we, I mean, we are already on the brink of a recession. Like that's already that happening. Yeah, season. yeah, exactly. Like that's already, yeah, already yeah. happening, and so all you're doing is expediting it yeah like all the housing
1: market was not doing as well people weren't be able to, and now people are definitely not going to be able to buy houses mm-hmm. because people are I mean if the government isn't open then I mean I'm glad that I was able to get my baby's um freaking birth certificate before this happened mm-hmm. um but like you just don't there's just so many things so many small things that you just don't think about like the airport there are TSA workers that are not going to work because they are not getting paid and so the lines are being uh, the lines are a lot longer and if you're talking about safety and the whole reason for the wall is to make the the freaking country safer well when you have less people checking to make sure that people aren't bringing contraband onto airplanes you're making the country less safe and so i don't know i this is not the first government shutdown that we've had you know, if you recall the previous one has been about daca but this time it's it's now we're not hitting the longest shutdown in the history of the country and the
0: thing is is like what, what kind of really irritates me and i don't know this to be fact but i could imagine that donald trump gets off on this you know he wants to have He wants to have a legacy like that. Oh, I had the longest shutdown. Oh, I had the most executive orders. Oh, I had this. I had this. I had you know all of these things that have really detrimental you know consequences for the country. It doesn't matter as long as he gets some kind of like recognition from it. You know, and I think that that's what he wants. Like if it had not been something that Obama did, he would not. He, it wouldn't even even occur to him. Yeah, he just wants to one up everything. And, yeah, everything that Obama did. Yeah, Obama, does, Obama did like, it, but I did it longer. Yeah,
1: exactly. I affected more
0: people. Exactly,
1: people lost oh their my, houses.
0: Yo, yeah. he's crazy. So he's I'm nuts. sure
1: in our next episode, next week, we will oh, still gosh. be talking about the government shutdown yep. and about the people impacted by it. And so yeah. you know my, you know, my heart goes out to all the families who are directly impacted Mm -hmm. um, by not being paid because I, like, as now a parent, I can't, I can now imagine the stress um, and the helplessness Mm -hmm. of having a job but not having money to be able to provide because bills don't stop because the government shut down. Yeah. Like, you can't just tell the... I mean, coming from a family where we've had our electricity shut down, like, they don't give a shit. You can call them and tell them, oh, sorry, you know, I had to go to the hospital. My mom had to go to the hospital this month and so we couldn't make our payments. They don't care. They're going to shut down your electricity. And, um, you know... Uh, it's it's just frustrating.
0: Yeah, I, I'm hoping that maybe because sometimes when there is a, you know, a, a, an incident that impacts like a large group of people, the, it inspires like certain companies to be a little bit lenient, even if it's just so that they can get like, you know, recognition in social media yeah. and then the, it drives up their business and stuff like that. Hopefully that kind of greed will help companies to, you know, I don't know, have a heart. Um, yeah. But also, apparently, we need to um, be vigilant um, with our like our food and the types of foods that we are consuming during the shutdown because it's not yeah yeah. inspections are yep yeah so yeah like we're saying we
1: there's a lot there's so it's so many ways that we're going to be indirectly. Yeah, they're saying that you know the IRS will still be able to process taxes, but we'll see what you know. I think they'll be
0: able to process it, but I don't think you'll be able to get your refund. Yeah. And And it'll probably be slower even if they are able to do it. Yeah. You know, so I know that people are dependent on that um and a lot of people look forward to tax season and like to their like i mean not look forward in like the symbolic way but like actually look forward and like yeah like pl- when plan when on, it. On, it. on it yes say, exactly that's the way rely on it a, you know
1: that money that i'm gonna yeah. get in april i'm gonna use to pay for school or yeah. i'm gonna use to pay for you know something yeah, yeah.
0: and it, and they and they it'll be delayed yeah um and yeah i mean trump doesn't care about that that's not something that he's ever had to worry about but
1: yeah so another terrible <sighs> thing in trump's america and we'll definitely keep you guys updated but um you know just this wall is j- i don't know i mean even it's beyond just whether we should have this wall or not it's just now like it's it's impacting so many it's impacting too many things yeah. and
0: and it's like is this really going to be a thing is donald trump really good okay so what happens if he doesn't get reelected what happens to the wall yeah Does it continue to get built? Because it's not going to... It's going to take longer than than, two years for this to... Even if the shutdown does work and then Congress Congress caves, like the Democrats cave, and then they put in for this wall to be built, it's not going to be immediate. So if it doesn't get finished by 2020, then what? Yeah. You know? And I'm sure he's like... And I think that that could be the thing. They're probably looking forward to 2020 and saying, you know what? If you don't get Congress to budge on this wall... And you made this wall the whole focus of your campaign and you don't have at least it started mm-hmm. by the time you have to run in twenty twenty, he's not gonna get reelected. So his reelection because people are not gonna trust him. It's gonna be like yeah. you you know, you gas you gaslit this whole thing yeah. and it didn't happen. So they his second term is probably dependent on this. And his ego. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, we'll it's just it's a, a game for them right yeah. now. It's a game for them yeah yeah okay anyways so yeah so we'll the, keep you updated because yeah. I'm sure this will continue till next yeah week.
1: definitely um so the next topic I, I wanted to bring up is um. so for those of you that uh, a lot of you I know are boycotting football but you can still you know be following the news and what's happening mm-hmm. so the Super Bowl is gonna happen in a couple of weeks Um, I think in three weeks Um, and you know, the biggest thing is always who's going to be the halftime show. And so lots of people have done the halftime shows in the past, you know, Beyonce, um, um, Janet. Yeah. Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. Um, and so this year, um, they announced that Maroon 5 will be doing the, um, Super Bowl halftime show. Um, but they will be, um, alongside Travis Scott and Big Boy. And so that raised um, some controversy just because at this time now, a lot of the issue is, you know, if you're performing at the Super Bowl uh, halftime show, are you in fact kind of showing solidarity with the Mm -hmm. people who are... Being complicit. Yeah, who are kind of, who have been blacklisting Mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick and kind of, condemning the right for football players to be able to protest racial Mm -hmm. injustice Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the things that was floating around is a story that Travis Scott actually had a conversation with Colin Kaepernick and that Colin Kaepernick in essence gave him his quote-unquote blessing Mm. Um, and so um, earlier this week Travis Scott was basically called a liar by exiled football player and current social justice beacon Colin Kaepernick and his girlfriend radio personality Nessa after a variety report so this is the article that was kind of floating around claimed that um travis scott and kaepernick came to a mutual understanding about him performing at this year's super bowl halftime show um and so nessa tweeted and said that this was absolutely not true so he didn't talk to him no he didn't Ah. this was fake yeah
0: oh the fact that like nessa
1: actually who's calling kaepernick's girlfriend um and she's you know she's been a huge supporter of colin kaepernick yeah like tweeted retweeted the article the article saying like oh they came to mutual understanding and respect she said, this is absolutely not true. There is no mutual understanding and no respect.
0: Wow. Um, and
1: so um, I was reading an article that says, if Scott wants to perform at the Super Bowl, that's his prerogative, but he should also acknowledge that his decision will be regarded as a smack in the face to everyone who is boycotting the NFL for it blackballing of Kaepernick and racist stifling of players protesting yeah. systemic injustice. There's no amount of positive PR that will help him or Big Boy or any other black musician um, Mm -hmm. to look any better in this situation. And so I have not heard yet Travis Scott say anything. One, like, if it wasn't true, Travis Scott should have said, no, I didn't talk to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, he should have just left it alone. Like, why would you lie? uh, He left it for Colin Kaepernick and Nessa to actually have to say, like, no, this actually didn't happen. So I Hmm. think, one, that's already... Aside from Travis Scott, which is hard because, you know, I I don't hate Travis Scott, but, uh, you know, there's also the whole stigma of he's dating a Kardashian, and Mm. black men that are associated with dating Kardashians typically aren't always on the (laughs) racially, you know, um, proactive side and kind of just kind of quote unquote people argue that they forget that they're black. Um, and so Travis Scott recently has just started getting a lot of fame and his most recent album, When Number One, he's doing, he's, I mean, he's been a, a rapper for, for a while, but he's gotten recently more popular. A lot of people argue it's because he's, you know, he's associated with Kylie Jenner, who is mm-hmm. like one of the most famous people in the yeah. world. Um, but so strike one is like the fact that he's doing the halftime show strike two is that there's apparently this fake article about him talking to kaepernick and getting his blessing so wait i'm not speaking against it
0: did he actually say he did or did they just they
1: they someone else another article said Mm. that like a source told them that Uh, travis and colin kaepernick talked but travis did not say like he didn't denounce it. denounce it and say that's not true and had left it for Collins' Mm. camp to do it and Mm. so I was actually happy that they did that because a part of me was like what Kaepernick you you get you're like you're giving him the pass like that's not cool and so um it just and so a lot of people are saying he's a sellout and Mm. I think he definitely is a sellout and I think he he should um you know, people are saying it's money. It's yeah, um, it's definitely. You know, he's getting. Uh, they, they're saying that. You know, when Missy Elliott did uh, was featured in a halftime show, her streams rose up so much after. And like that same might ha- it's gonna happen to Travis Scott, and this is gonna be really good for him. And it's like, yeah, sometimes selling out gives you short term, yeah. you know, benefits, but in the long run, like. W- the the symbolism of them getting these two black musicians to participate in the halftime show yeah. is—I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people looking at that, and it means a lot of things. And yeah. so, I is definitely it, think it, it's a sellout move.
0: Isn't Kanye like one of his like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah? And so yeah. it's like I feel like Kanye that's probably how his... he's looking at it. It's like, well, I mean, Kanye said that. Um, slavery was a choice and look at what happened for his streams and look at how he was all in like the media and everything and he's probably seeing that as like goals you know and so he i mean yeah he's thinking about the money but he's also probably thinking about the clout and the fact that his name is gonna be you know in everybody's mouth for the next whatever and so when we and when we talk about sellouts we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him and Kanye. So, yeah. we're going to have them in the same conversation. And so now when you talk about Colin Kaepernick or NFL or Super Bowl, you're going to also be talking about Travis Scott. Yeah. And that's what's important to them. I mean, if he's learning anything from his baby mom, it's like this is, you know, you know how to stay in the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, if, even if he doesn't want
1: and I know a lot of our my argue, and I've heard a lot of celebrities say, "Well, I'm not a role model. I'm not not everything I do is supposed to to mean something, or yeah. not everything is a stand." And it's like, I'm sorry, but yeah, it is a stand. Yeah. And So, um, especially when it's like you've got to be living under a rock if you don't know that the super that that football is associated, like there's this thing with Colin Kaepernick that is um, rooted in the. I mean, even the fucking president has had Mm -hmm. his input in what uh, the kneeling means and um, you know the punishing of the football players who do this and I think it's a huge slap in the face and it's a a bigger slap in the face to Colin Kaepernick Mm -hmm. to not denounce that this story was false and to make some people believe for a little bit that Colin Kaepernick would in fact okay someone um, performing during um, for an organization that's basically persecuted him
0: yeah he should at least maybe he should like give the money like that would be a good yeah i
1: think i read another article that said that travis said that i think it was in the same article that the reason why colin kaepernick okayed it is because travis scott said that the money he got was going to go to a charity
0: yeah i think that he should do that like maybe some maybe ooh, maybe he should donate the money for like cte research or something like that Unless, mm-hmm. if he,
1: unless he's up there and he fucking kneels and has a banner that says, you know, uses that time yeah, to be better. like, okay, I'm going to be you know, live and yeah. people are gonna see me and I'm gonna use this as a chance to highlight Rachel yeah. injustice wearing a t shirt that says, you know, I support Cap, I'm with Cap, then maybe you'll win maybe me. Maybe
0: he'll maybe his fellow uh Houstonian, his good <laughs> sis Beyonce who also performed at the Super Bowl, will reach out to him and say, Look, mm-hmm. this is how you need to do it. Yeah. You see how I went all military, all militant, yeah. full out Black Panther when I came out yeah. there, that's what you need to do too. And yeah. so, yeah, hopefully that happens because I- I'm sure that they're, they'll probably reach out to him at some point and say, like, hey, Travis, like, we, you know, the Knoll, or the the Carters, they, you know, they don't really F with your people over there, your Kardashians and your Wesses, but we're gonna help yeah, you because he, you're he, in a sunken young, place.
1: And he may... He may not really understand the implications yeah. of what this is. They're going to pull
0: him out the sunken Yeah, he place. may just see
1: this as a really good thing. Because, yeah, it, it is a good thing to be, like, asked to do the Super yeah, Bowl. But you've also got to take into account what this means for your community. Social because context. the community that he comes from is looking at him with disappointment.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, on to our last um, in-the-know topic. So today makes day five. Um, that LAUSD teachers have been on strike so LAUSD is the Los Angeles school district teachers have um, you know I'm sure that you've seen this in the news and um, the teachers have different motives and demands for striking so one teacher said that salary isn't on the top of her list um, but she said that her students need the district to pay for a nurse every day and they need a lower student to counselor ratio so class size and staffing are also core issues in addition to you know, like salary-based things and, like, teachers needing to be paid more. Um, so the LA Times reports that attendance at schools Thursday was the lowest yet during the strike, with about 17% of students showing up to school. Um, LA Unified receives state funding, its largest source of revenue, based on attendance. So you can see how this is mm, kind of problematic. Yeah. Um, officials estimated the gross loss for the day at $28.1 million that's insane yeah so i mean it's crazy and but offsetting that somewhat is the fact that striking teachers librarians counselors and nurses are not being paid so their pay adds up to about 10 million per day so kind of less a little bit less than the 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 district is making up for the loss due to attendance by uh, keeping a little less than half of its of the money that it pays out yeah. to employees based on the strike. Um, so schools are being kept open, though, by skeleton staffs of administrators, substitutes, and employees who are not members of the striking union. Um, and so the fact that, you know, the schools are open kind of makes me feel a little bit better about the strike. Because initially I wasn't sure about that. And I was like, you know, this is... This has like some residual impact on parents who may not be able to find, you know, supervision for their kids and things like that. Um, and I, you know, I, I appreciate the teachers or the employees willingness to skip out on being paid. Yeah. During this strike. Yeah. To fight for things like, you know, better teacher student ratio, because that has like really negative impacts on student learning. yeah And LAUSD is one of the lowest performing school districts in the country. Mm. And it's ridiculous. And it's predominantly black and brown, you know? And so we, I mean we if the parents and if the if the government wasn't going to do better the teachers are showing that they're willing to be the sacrificial lambs in um, you know this process of getting you know better you know for fighting for a better educational system because our educational system has been in the pits for decades um, and it's just been getting worse so hopefully we see some um, some improvements following the strike um, okay so now we are going to jump into our what's being slept on segment where we'll be talking about um, kind of healthcare in general and then we'll um, kind of zoom in on Zelma's experience um, with uh, childbirth yes up Okay, so now for our What's Being Slept On segment. Um, so we are gonna be talking about healthcare um, and we wanted to give a little bit of um, background information slash an introduction to what our um, some of the f- kind of flaws of the healthcare system as it stands so according to a report published by the atlantic the commonwealth fund which regularly ranks the health systems of a handful of developed countries finds that the best countries for, for health care are the uk the netherlands and australia and guess where the u.s ranks in the lowest tier at the bottom bottom even though it spends the most money. Mm. And this has been consistent for 20 years, for the past 20 years. Um, David Blumenthal, the Commonwealth Fund's president, gave three reasons why the US ranks so low. So number one, a lack of insurance coverage. So more than 27 million people in the United States were uninsured in 2006, nearly a 10th of the population often because they live in a state that didn't expand medicaid or are undocumented number two administrative inefficiency so in other words while insurance coverage in general is great it's not ideal that different insurance plans cover different treatments and procedures forcing doctors to spend precious hours coordinating with insurance companies to provide care so i can attest to that firsthand you know because you have like I was trying to find um, a new therapist because like one of my resolutions, if you listen to the last episode, was to find and go to therapy regularly. So what that requires is that the um, you know the doctors they or whatever therapist or whatever provider has to get your insurance information and they their. Um, Billing department has to contact the insurance company and see if you're covered see what your copay is and all of these things because they're because it's not Standard across companies like everybody has different benefits Um, and then third underperforming primary care Um, so we Blumenthal states that we have a very disorganized, fragmented, inefficient, and under-resourced primary care system. Our system is very disjointed. You have to go to a primary care provider to be referred to a specialist, and they often don't speak to one another. Um, and they aren't—they aren't on the same page. Um, it's all over the place. And then the quality of our social services is so poor that if you are given directions from your primary care provider, like say dietary restrictions, our food quality is so trash that it might actually undo some of the work that your doctor's treatments have done. So it's like it's—it's it's not. Um, there's no. Uh, what's that word? I forgot what the, what the word is. But basically, like
1: consistency. No. Communication, correlation,
0: no, but those are all good words. <laughs> um, it like basically you. There are a lot of things in our in our. Um, there are a lot of things in like a lot of our social systems do not allow for. Basically, you to maintain optimum health. Like the doctor can refer you to one thing, but then maybe. Like, for instance, if you're... Continuity. Uh. There you go. That's the (laughs) word. Okay, so there isn't any continuity. Like, there's no relationship between the doctor or your primary care provider and other social systems. So a lot of times they cancel each other out. Like, the fact that you're at the doctor in the first place is probably because of some, you know, poor... um, poor like diet inability to exercise because of uh, your time constraints or work or maybe you're overworked or you don't get to you know there's i mean there's so many different barriers to being healthy and a lot of them are bound within our healthcare system as
1: i had we had said earlier in the episode um about a month ago i had a baby, and um, although I do a lot of research on healthcare access and healthcare utilization, I learned the most just from my experience of labor and delivery, Um, and so I just wanted to share four of the biggest things that I learned about giving birth in the U.S., given, you know, the kind of background that Ebony talked about, about how the U.S. has all these resources, but yet we just do so terribly. Um, in terms of why we rank so low with um, healthcare and so the first thing that I learned is so the total for my labor and delivery was $30,000 and that's that's not pregnancy cost so I haven't even added up how much it costs to go to my OBGYN, all my prenatal vitamins, all the blood tests, all the genetic testing, all the (coughs) ultrasound, and so, you know, this thirty thousand is not including the pregnancy costs. Um, And so, um, the one, the first thing that I learned with the thirty thousand is like how insurance works. So the thirty thousand is just the raw number. So if you don't have insurance, this is what you'd have yeah, to pay. Yeah. Um, and so how insurance works is if you go in network, then they give you a discount. So it already takes off some of the cost. And then based on your plan and what they cover and your deductible, then you know you have to pay a certain percentage. Um, but what I didn't know is that, you know, the baby needs insurance in addition to the mom. So I kind of figured everyone needs insurance, but what I didn't know is that you know, the baby and the mom both get billed separately. So I got billed for room and board and so does the baby. So they actually charge both of us. Okay. So, um even though we were both like he was in his little like box that they put him in (laughs) and even though he was in that like for the three days they charged him for room and board separately than even though he was in the
0: same room as you yeah even
1: though we were in the same room that we both get like basically charged rent so um and he gets his own bill and so i got my bill in his name yes and he has his own bill in his name um And then with that, you get charged for everything separately. And so what they do is they give you, well, for me in my hospital, they gave me like a little barcode, um, bracelet. And every time I asked for something, they would scan the bracelet. And so like when I wanted a pain medicine, they would scan my bracelet. When I got an IV, they would scan my bracelet. To get food, they would scan my bracelet. Um, When the nurses would come by to check me, they would scan my bracelet. And at first, I didn't really know what that was, and then it clicked, and I was like, oh, this is how they keep track of cost. Mm -hmm. And then the baby has his own bracelet, too. So the baby gets scanned, too. So the baby had to have some screenings done. The baby had to have some tests run, and he got charged for those things, too, and those things go for his bill. So, you know, already at birth, you know, baby just comes out, and he's already racking up bills. Already in debt. Already in debt, yeah. So Um, crazy. And so um, the second thing I learned is like paperwork. And so um, I remember when I went in, in order to get the epidural, which is like a pain medicine, um, when you're having your contractions, it kind of helps ease with the the pain. Um, You know, there are some side effects and potential complications that could happen because they basically are injecting pain medicine into your spine. And they had me sign like a liability waiver that was basically Mm. saying, you know, if you become paralyzed, if you die, if you have long term effects, the hospital is not responsible. And so in the middle of my contractions, I was like reading this form and trying to sign it. And I remember like the person who comes by to help you, you know, they have a person come by with the paperwork. And she actually had to wait for one of my contractions to finish so that I could sign. Because at that point, I couldn't concentrate. And she's like, I'll wait until it passes. And then, uh, you know, my contraction passed and I signed. Um, And then they signed something about the baby saying that, you know, I acknowledge that. Uh, The baby's going to have to have all these tests done. And, you know, I I mean, even looking back, I don't even remember or recall exactly everything that I signed. But I do remember thinking like, wow, I'm in the middle of giving birth and I am filling out paperwork. And I had filled out paperwork before that said like my insurance information because you have to pre-register at the hospital. So they already had my driver's license, my insurance information, my doctor's information, uh, my pediatrician's information they had all that stuff but still like as procedures were happening and things were happening I had to sign things and you know I had I ended up having a c-section surgery so I had to like sign things for that as well because they give you anesthesia for that Um, and so and you know it, it everything's happening so fast that I honestly like didn't read like the paperwork, I didn't read any of that stuff. I just remember them saying, like, you know, basically, this is just saying if something bad happens, which it, it probably won't, then you know, you're saying that you you're not going to hold us liable, yeah.
0: which is so shady that they would, you know, give present you with paperwork during such a like compromising.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's such a, be a better position. Like, how could be how
0: could you be expected to read it when you're in the middle of contractions?
1: Yeah. But it's just that's how important like liability is. Yeah. Um. And the next thing I learned is, like, the different roles that everyone plays. And so, I guess, before, I thought that the doctor did most of the things. I guess, like, on TV, you see the doctor delivering and... You know, the doctor is the one who does the surgery and the doctor is the one with the prestige who went to medical school. But the people that I saw the most were the nurses and then the nurses assistants. And so I had a nurse who was with me for the, during the contractions. Then I had a nurse who was with me with the actual labor then and delivery. And then I had a nurse that was with me for the recovery. And then the baby has his own nurse too. So like all these, nur- and then there's a lactation nurse that helps you if you want to breastfeed. Um, and so what I, basically what I learned is that nurse, like you really want a good nurse. So yeah, I mean a good doctor is good, but like the doctor's only there. My doctor was there for like 45 minutes. Uh, the three days that I was there, it was the nurses that were around. And mm-hmm. the nurses were so helpful and I honestly think that like looking back is like the nurses just don't get enough credit the nurses mm-hmm. don't get enough recognition and um, I, I don't think that I really understood or valued the job that a nurse has and I actually think that like looking back if I were ever to go to the medical field and I actually wanted to be with patients the nursing is the way to go because yeah. I, I can remember that you know the, I actually went back and I gave the nurses that worked with me cookies that Mm. my mom made because they helped me so much. Like they were just like, not only did they take care of me in terms of, like they actually helped me bathe and helped Mm. me walk and helped me go to the bathroom. But when I was really scared and I was telling them, you know, I don't think I can do this, I don't know what to do, I'm really scared, they, like, held my hand and talked to me and told me, like, everything is gonna be okay. And so, in addition to them doing the medical stuff, they're, like, providing emotional support. Yeah, Um, they
0: get really slept on.
1: Yeah. And then I think like the final thing that I kind of wanted to touch on is something that we had kind of been talking about in other episodes, especially when we talk about maternal mortality and the higher maternal mortality deaths among black women um in the united states and um so during my c-section i uh, apparently was bleeding too much mm. and so my partner was there in the, the room i was under I, was, I had a lot of medicine a lot of pain meds so it was a huge blur and it wasn't until later that you know my partner told me what happened but i do remember in the recovery room them telling me that i had lost too much blood and i had become you know anemic which is when you 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 know you you lose blood Mm -hmm. and which is being anemic is actually kind of normal after delivery because after c-section because you do it's normal to lose blood but apparently they were a little concerned because I had lost too much blood and so my partner told me that during the actual c-section the doctors were like kind of concerned and they were saying she's losing too much blood and they asked for the medicine that Kind of stops bleeding um, and they give it to you in the form of a shot. And my partner said that um, the, and one of the people there was like, oh, it's not in the room. And he said that they kind of panicked and he saw people, like people's faces kind of being like, oh shit. And so someone had to leave and they're like someone said you have to go get it right now and he said that someone like ran out to go get it so apparently the shot medicine that they needed to stop my bleeding wasn't available in the room so they had to leave me while I was bleeding mm. and that contributed to me losing more blood than I should have and it, it, it was probably what like 30 seconds max that someone had to leave to go get the um, the shot But I'm just thinking like in a hospital, we live in a place that has a really good medical center. And in a hospital that actually had the resource, they had the shot, but it just wasn't available to them in the room. And it was just kind of like scary to be like, man, that caused me to lose more blood than usual. Thankfully, it didn't lead to long-term consequences, but I can kind of see how that can contribute to other women having like Mm -hmm. a lot more traumatic experiences or a lot more negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, that experience just kind of showed me that. And they didn't even tell me. Like, they weren't like, oh, by the, you know, yeah, no one sure. ever told me, like, oh, you know, there was a little complication. They didn't even tell me. I the reason I knew I lost a lot of blood is because the nurses told me. My doctor mm. didn't come in and tell me, um, the doctor that did the surgery didn't come in and tell me, um, hey, this is what happened. And that's, you know, going back to your point, the doctor my OBGYN unfortunately wasn't on call when I went in labor, so they had another doctor. So there was no communication. So I didn't mm. have the doctor that I had been working with for or been with, going to for nine months, I had someone else. And so, you know, all the work that I had in specifically choosing this one doctor to be able to avoid things like this wasn't able to be there um, when I was giving birth. And so I think that, you know, better communication, that's some, if I could go back, I would have really stressed that I, I, I don't know, I don't even know how you can fix this, but I just feel like you should be able to there was like that day I saw three different doctors because Mm. the shift changes yeah and so the first doctor said one thing the second doctor said another thing and finally the third doctor is the one that did the surgery and the nurses I stayed with the same nurses and so it's just kind of like you know the the consistency of having the same nurses and the same nursing assistants was great because they were with me from beginning until almost the end Um, But seeing so many doctors, it was just kind of like I didn't even know who they were. Um, And so I think overall, just from my experience, I have yet to get an actual, well, no, I just got my first bill, um, and it was for um, the the C-section surgery, and that was $3,000. And after my insurance and everything, I only had to pay $300. Mm. Um, But then I just saw that they're gonna bill me for the anesthesiologist. And I get billed for every anesthesiologist that I saw, which turns out to be three. So I get billed for the anesthesiologist that gave me the epidural. The anesthesiologist billed me again when he gave me a refill of my epidural. Then, then I get billed for the anesthesiologist that was there during the surgery, and then the board of anesthesiologists. I have to pay a fee to them of twenty five dollars, mm. and so like, and it all goes. Uh, Dang,
0: Bo. Yeah,
1: and so um, I, I mean, I'm part of mommy blogs, and one of the mommy mm. blogs was a person who said that she did not, she wasn't aware of how the anesthesiologist billed because I thought you only had one, and you know, it turns out I had three with three separate bills. And she said that um, she was, you know, they were on such a budget that she had only planned on spending what the insurance had quoted her when she called. Um, And unfortunately, she said that she, you know, isn't going to be able to afford paying the anesthesiologist bill Um, because I think for mine it's like eight hundred dollars that they billed, but I only have to pay one hundred and sixty-seven. And so, thankfully, I have insurance, and our insurance isn't that bad. Um, I With, think. Do you know who you have? Yeah, we have Aetna and I think oh, it's a student insurance, and I think it's.
0: Oh, that you have that insurance. Yeah, and I okay. think
1: it's because they don't really assume that students would have babies, yeah. And so the maternal like benefits are actually are really pretty good. good. Maybe I should have a baby before. Graduation. Yeah, no, it's it's actually pretty good yeah. compared to. And what's great about us is our plan year is from it's the school year August to August. Not January to December, and so um, I was able to accumulate a lot of. Um, I've been making a lot of payments, um, so you know your your insurance covers a percentage, and then you have out of pocket costs and um, the out-of-pocket cost goes towards this like amount and then in your policy- your deductible? Well, no, it's separate from your deductible. Mm. Um, your deductible is like you pay this much and then after that deductible is paid, then the insurance starts covering a percentage of it. Mm. But your plan also guarantees that you will never pay more than this amount. Mm. So for us, you know, it's $4,000 where our plan says, okay, we're gonna cover, we're always gonna cover your services after your deductible but we promise that you will never have to pay more than four thousand dollars and so because i had been paying so much for my pregnancy by the time by now i only my you know my out-of-pocket expenses is like two hundred dollars and so basically i only have to i'm only gonna have to pay i'm gonna have to pay less than a thousand dollars for everything which mm-hmm. is great. And that's because the plan year is from August to August. Mm-hmm. If it was from January to December, then I'd ha- it technically would start over January 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a lot of women, for example, that gave birth December 31st and mm-hmm. met their deductible, it started again January 1st. So it's just, the insurance is just really shitty. i read a lot of women um, talking about their experiences with insurance and the hospital bills and you know i even talked to one bill um because they they start sending you bills like the day you come home and i had to um you know at the hospital i remember i was you know on the bed with pain meds calling the insurance telling them hey i had a baby because part of the, you know, policy states that you have to have pre-authorization. And in order to have pre-authorization, it means you have to let them know that you delivered a baby. And so you actually have to call them and say, hey, I had my baby yesterday at 7.55 a.m. You can't call ahead. You have to call after it's happened.
0: <laughs> and Literally so after
1: you push them out. Yeah, and they give you three days to do it. and so like you know if you have a c-section sometimes it takes up to five days to get out of the hospital so like I just remember feeling really shitty and being like man I'm on hold in the hospital in a gown like in a lot of pain letting them know like hey please pay for my stuff and you know technically if you don't call them and let them know you had a baby within the time they have the right to not cover your service so you know even though I had insurance if I didn't let them know that I had the baby they technically could come out and say, oh, because you didn't let us know that you had the baby, we're not gonna cover you.
0: Mm. Yeah, our insu- insurance is like the biggest scam. It is, it is. The biggest scam that yeah. we have. No, it like, is. Like across, and, and it's like, it's not like, oh, when, you know, dealing with one type is a scam and then the other kind of, you know, work for you to your benefit. No, they're all a scam. Like Yeah.
1: No, yeah. It it's it, it like and car insurance, home yeah, insurance. No, help. it is. And I Life. even uh, talking to the insurance because the baby and I have different insurances and even doing that was such a hassle and they're just they're not really helpful and you talk to so many people and I don't know. This experience has really taught me that Having insurance is really great. Like, I would definitely not be able to pay $30,000, but having insurance does not guarantee that you can't trust your insurance company. So even though they told me, like, this is probably how much you'll pay for your delivery, that's, I didn't trust them. And with good reason, because it ended up, you know, I ended up having three anesthesiologists instead of one, because when they quote you, they're like, okay, we're just going to assume that the same anesthesiologist is going to do all these three things, that you're not going to have an epidural, that you're not going to need anesthesia, that you're just going to have a vaginal delivery that you're just gonna do this and it's like sometimes yeah like best case scenario. yeah best case yeah. scenario and they don't tell you that they're just like okay you know and uh, when they gave me the um freaking quote they were like do you want to make a down payment and i was like i'm not gonna pay towards anything that hasn't happened yet But yeah, no, I I keep getting all these bills. The bills come separately. I just got my first one, like I said, for the the OBGYN. But, you know, the pediatrician bills me. The nurses bill you separately. The,
0: like I said, the anesthesiologist bills you. Um, It's just crazy. What's the experience been like so far with having with you and him having different insurance? So
1: in our state, automatically, the first 30 days, the baby is billed under your insurance, even if he has a different insurance. Mm. It's just, they have to bill it to someone. Mm-hmm. And so what's been difficult is explaining to my insurance that, he and the hospital, that we don't have the same insurance. Mm-hmm. And so basically what they told me is like, well, we already build your insurance company for it we assumed you were gonna add him to your insurance because you have 30 days to add your baby to your insurance so what I have to do now is I have to have my insurance get a refund and tell them like hey i'm not adding this baby to my insurance i'm not paying i'm not paying more for this policy mm-hmm. so he's going to be going to a different insurance so my insurance has to get their money back because the hospital of course already billed my insurance and my insurance sent them a check mm-hmm. and so my insurance has to get their money back and then the hospital has to bill his new insurance why would
0: they send them a check without really? i know
1: i know cuz they they i don't know Mm-hmm. And so uh, and of course they told me the insurance that don't talk to each other. So it's not like yeah. I can just say like, oh, hey, can you send this yeah. over or tell the hospital? Oh, hey, can you just bill the insurance? It's like, no, it's my job to now send this bill to the new insurance and say, oh, you know, my baby is not on my insurance. They accidentally billed him. This is his bill. Can you cover it? That's so much work. And the fact that
0: he has bills and he's only a month yeah. old.
1: And it's crazy because they come in his name. So it's like he, yeah, has nailed. Only- yeah he's only a month old and he already technically has a medical debt yeah
0: mail coming to his house it's really yeah so, so yeah i mean i
1: feel pretty privileged in the fact that i already have insurance and I had the ability to be able to like call, take the time to call and talk to yeah. these insurances and understand what they're telling me and understand the policy and understand my rights and be able to go on the internet and see my out of, like even explaining to you, like the difference between the deductible and the out of pocket and the, you know, the coinsurance, like all that stuff I had to learn. And I just can't imagine people who don't have the time to be able to read the packets of insurance mm-hmm. and also all the women who don't have insurance because like you said one of the points was there's millions of Americans without insurance and so if I were one of those women who went in there and now I left with $30,000 in debt I'm starting my family with like that, you
0: know. Yeah, and it's like we can't You know, some folks dismiss this so casually, like, oh, that's just the way it is, or that's the way it has to be. And it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. Like I said at the beginning, there are plenty of countries that have figured this out. Yes. And for whatever reason, the United States refuses, and it's not because we can't. It's because the government just doesn't care. They don't care enough. You know? And so if... And it would would make things easier for us all, but because you have all of these insurance companies that... You know, they they've got their hands in our government officials' pockets and things like. You can't really, you know, it's it, it's like they their their needs supersede ours. You know, yeah. their needs and their wants. So it's it's not about us. It's about, you know, all of these multi-million-dollar companies and yeah,
1: yeah. So my final like tip would be like for any of you not just like pregnancy or having a baby but any procedures like call 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 talk 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 learn 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 because no one is going to look out for you like you can and believe me you can't be like oh becky told me that i only have to pay twenty dollars you don't give a shit if becky from Aetna told you two months ago that they you only had to pay twenty dollars what they care about is like and uh, time and time again, what I've heard is it's your responsibility to know your policy.
0: Yeah. And so, like, the other, like, last week, hey. my, so my partner is um, self-employed, so he doesn't have, um, he doesn't have health insurance, but he just got it, and I had to, you know, listen, he he had a call with the person that was selling him the insurance, I don't know what that person is called, insurance agent, I guess, and um, I had to, you know, listen in on the call and ask the important questions that he didn't know how to ask you know like he he had never had insurance so it was kind of like you know he had been paying everything out of pocket and the the insurance like per month is ridiculous you know and so if you don't have insurance through an employer trying to get it independently is is really expensive now Yeah. yeah yeah and then you you know like asking questions like you know okay so what happens if you know, worst case scenario, I get cancer. Then it's like, okay, you know, there we cover it this way. Okay, what if I get diabetes? Well, we cover it this like, you know, there all these like the policies change so much depending on what the the ailment is. Yeah. You know, if you have an accident then it's different. You know, and I mean it's just it's it's so sad and the system is so flawed. So flawed. And like, you know, the like um Things like therapy and you know, mental health stuff is not isn't covered. Yeah. So you have to pay for that yeah. just out of pocket. And if you can't afford that, then you're not getting mental health treatment. You know, and so it, I mean there's so many inequalities and things and then we wonder why, you know, our our country is in the state that it's in. It's just yeah. because you know, we this lack of this lack of coverage, this lack of care, you know?
1: Yeah. And what we, you know, we always, I think, think just because we live in a country with so many good resources mm-hmm. that we're just, you know, if we get sick, there's, it's no problem, but you don't think that, you know... I mean, and I joke about it, but I remember when I got the epidural and they told me, like, it's going to run out because my I, I was in labor for 22 hours. And my labor, you know, my epidural was about to run out. They're like, you probably have another 30 minutes. And I wasn't anywhere near done. And I remember it for the split-second thinking fuck that's like another charge Mm -hmm. and you know ultimately I got the refill but I just remember thinking like how sad it is to be in a country where that's your first thought yeah it's like like you're
0: in so much pain yeah you hesitate a little
1: bit yeah to be like oh man and then especially for you know at least I have insurance I knew that that would be covered but for all the people, you know, when I, I there's a point in my life where I didn't have insurance. And I remember, like, that would be a really real thought where I might consider not getting something because of the cost to mm-hmm. be like, well, that I'm, I, you know, that's $500 I can save. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to do that without medicine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, definitely a new experience. I mean, ultimately, it was great, you know, because I, I had a baby and we were both mm-hmm. healthy. But... I mean, it's... And he's great. He's been here the whole time. And yeah, you can, kind of, oh, you can kind of hear him a little um, during this segment. But, you know, um, I am getting a PhD, and it was fucking hard to understand my policy. So I definitely think that it's a little intentional in the ways that they make it difficult oh, yeah. for people for most of us to be able to understand what we are how we're covered and um, they kind of make it harder for us to be able to understand our benefits and how everything works and um, the hospitals and you know the staff don't, you know, can't really help you because they, like, they, like, I would even ask my doctor about my benefits and she'd be like, sorry, I, you know, I don't even know that stuff, like, that, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with that stuff, Mm -hmm. you should call your insurance company and it's just kind of like, okay, so. Yeah,
0: actually, when I, you know, I forgot about this, but when I was, um, when I was speaking with the new therapist, she asked me what kind of insurance I have. I said Aetna, right? I sent her all the insurance information. She's like, okay, I'm gonna send it over to the billing department. She writes me back and is like, okay, good news. Like, you don't have a copay, so everything is covered or whatever. Like, you know, you're covered. Then texts me the next day and says, oh, I just heard from my billing department. You know, they had me under the wrong company, so you actually aren't covered, but you can pay for the session out of pocket. And I was like, oh, I'm a student. Like, I can't afford that. You know, I'm sorry. Um, And she said some other stuff and then the next day wrote me back and said oh actually you are covered <laughs> like we can keep and it was just all this back and forth yeah. and i'm like what is your billing department doing yeah i Do mean th- they probably don't know either yeah i'm like what is all of this back and forth and back and forth like there's just no i i mean it, there's just no clarity at all no transparency it's all over the place nobody knows what nobody knows what's going on not even the insurance companies now and yeah. I feel like policies change all the time. I mean, golly. It's a yeah. shame. It's a shame. It is. Yeah, it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully... I mean, we just wanted to use this episode after... Especially after Zalman's experience. Yeah. Because, kind of, I mean, I had no idea. Like, I don't ha- plan on having a baby anytime soon, but it's nice to know, you know, when I do decide to go... When I do decide to have a baby, like, what the... What I'll have to pay, you know, yeah. the, what the actual costs will be. Yeah, the fact like, that the baby will have bills. Like, yeah. I did not know that, you know. And so I'm sure that there are other folks out there that didn't know either. Or if you did know and you have a different experience or you have the same experience and you want to write in and vent to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, let us know. You can email us at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at wokeishpodcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Woke-ish Talk. Those are all of our social infos. And um, yes, thank you again for listening to the first episode of the second season. And if you went back and listened, we really appreciate that. Um, Don't hesitate to let us know what you think. Again, if you have any shout-outs or just anything you want to let us know about that we haven't discussed... Hit us up. We are a friendly bunch. Um, We, again, want this to be a community. Yes. Bye. Bye.